0: Second Chronicles 7, start at verse 12. While you're turning there, if you notice, Pastor is not here today. He is down south at the Powards Church preaching for them. I know that he wishes he could be here. Misses seeing all your smiling faces. Most of your smiling faces. pray for safe travels for them. He did want me to mention, and Brother Aaron already hit on it, this week is a big undertaking for our church. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of effort, and all that falls on your shoulders, your sacrifice, your time. And he wanted to publicly say thank you for everything that you're going to put in this week. It's not going to be in vain. Our church is blessed because we give. Because we sacrifice, our church sees blessing in favor, and thankful for each and every one of you that are going to work this week and everything you're going to do. Amen. Second Chronicles 7 and 12 says, And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night. He said unto him, I have heard thy prayer, and I've chosen this place for myself to make a house of sacrifice. If I shut up heaven, that there be no rain or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people. Verse 14 says, If my people, which are called by my name, if they shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sin, and I'll hear heal their land. Now mine eyes shall be open, my ears attend unto the prayer That is made in this place. I believe God has a word for us today. He looked at Solomon where he was at. He said, if my people will just humble themselves before me. If they'll humble themselves and pray. Then I'll be there. I'll hear my people. And I'll heal the land. There's some things that God wants to work in. And he needs to work in today, and I believe he's going to show us how. Amen. If you could, put your Bibles down, lift your hands, let's pray and ask God to have his way. Lord, we worship your name, Jesus. God, we thank you for what you've already done in this place. God, that you've already poured out. You've already spoken. God, I believe you're not done yet. God, that you have more in store for this service. God, I believe lives are going to be changed, that our hearts are going to be turned to you. And I believe you're going to do mighty things. We believe that you are going to show up in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. If you're going to preach with me, you may be seated. There's always a smart aleck. It's important for us to understand context when looking at Scripture. It's not enough just to look at the scripture by itself, but it's important for us to understand what's happening in this time and what led up to this moment. We look at our reading, and King David is considered a man after God's own heart. He reflected it was a time of peace. He was looking around at everything that he had. He was sitting in his house and his palace and looked at all of the, the fine furnishings that he had and everything that was, was so beautiful at where he was. He said, look at everything that I have. It's, it's not good enough that I have all of this, and yet the presence of the Lord has a curtain to cover it up. So he made up in his mind, I'm going to build a palace. I'm going to build a tabernacle for the presence of the Lord to dwell he made up in his mind, and he went to the prophet and said, this is what I want to do. I want to build a place where the presence of God can dwell. It's a pretty good pretty good attribute, right? It's a pretty good thought. The prophet looked at him and said, well, you're a man of war. You've got blood on your hands, and so it's not God's will that you do this, but your son, Solomon. He'll build the temple. So as time goes on and Solomon takes the throne, he starts to build this place where the presence of God can dwell. Starts to put everything together, and we see in the chapters preceding our text that it goes through and it lists everything that has to do with this tabernacle. It goes through every detail. It goes through all the material that's going to be used, and God was specific in what needed to be used for his temple. It goes through the construction and how big everything should be what the size should be, even down to the furniture on the inside, because God was specific for his presence. Every detail was laid out. God wanted things to be in order for his house, and he had a specific way that he wanted his presence to be handled. See, the chief priest, he would go into the tabernacle, He's the only one that could go into the presence of God. And once a year, people would come and they would give sacrifice and that priest would walk in and he had to do things a certain way. He had to kill that sacrifice on the altar. and He had to walk to the laver and he had to wash his hands. and He had to do everything the way that it was ordained. If he did not, if things weren't right in his spirit, if he missed a step, then he would be struck down. He would be killed right there. Those priests, they would have bells around their garments so that everyone on the outside, they would be able to hear the sound of obedience. And if that sound of the bells ever stopped, they had a rope tied to their, their leg, and they would pull them out because only the chief priests could go in. God had a specific way for his presence to be handled. But when Jesus died on a cross, we're just out of Easter When we understand everything that Jesus did, that He came and He lived a sinless life for you and I. That He not only lived, but He took the price of death on Himself. He took the weight of our sin and He died on a cross. And when He did, the Bible says the veil in that tabernacle was torn down in two so now no longer did we have to go to a priest to get into the presence of God. But now the barrier between us and him was ripped apart. Now I can have a relationship for myself. I can know God for myself. Well, is no one excited that you get to know God? I don't have to wait one time in the year where I can go into his presence. I don't have to wait to hear his voice, but at any point I can lift up my hands. I can worship. I can call on the name of Jesus, and he's there. I'm thankful for the presence of God. That old covenant, that old tabernacle, that old law, it was now put away, and now we were folding onto a new law. Jesus' sacrifice made a way for something new, for a new covenant for us. 1 Corinthians 6 and 19 says what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and that you are not your own, for you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. When he died on a cross, he made a way that that temple could dwell inside of you. You're now the temple in the presence of God. You've been purchased with a price. God looked at you and he saw your value, even at your lowest, even at your most broken, even when everything was falling apart. And he said, that's worth everything to me. I want to dwell with that person. God saw the value in you and he paid the price to know you. It makes sense that we would be in bondage. He paid a price I could never pay on my own. He went to Calvary and he did something I could never do. I should be eternally bound, constantly trying to give back and pay for what he did. But that's not what the Bible says. Romans 8 and 14 says, For as many are led by the Spirit of God, for they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again in fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself beareth witness to God. We are the children of God. He looked at you and he said, you know what? There's a price that you can't pay. You can't do this on your own, but I'm going to take you and I'm going to put you under a new name. I'm going to take everything that I am and I'm going to put it over your life as a shield, as, as a way that we can be saved. God not only paid the price for our sin, but he loved us enough to adopt us into his family. Now I've got a new name. No one else is excited. I'm, I'm glad that he looked at me and he gave me a new name. I'm not who I was. I'm not bound by the sin that I was in. But now I'm a new creation. I'm thankful for a God that loved me enough. When you repent, when you're baptized in the name of Jesus, when you're filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, God looks at you and says, Patrick, your name is no longer Patrick. But now you've got a name that's above every name. Now you've got something that's greater than yourself. You've got an authority that's higher than yourself. It's with this in mind, knowing that we would be the temple, that we would be the tabernacle, that he looks at Solomon, says it's my people who are called by my name. My people who have my name, they've been adopted into my family. I think so many times we forget about the power that is in that name. We forget what that name is. We forget who He is and what He can do. And so today, I want to remind you, we've heard it all across our songs. It's been a common theme, but today, I want to show you, just to remind you who God is. Revelation 1.8 said, I am Alpha, and I am Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is, which was, and which is to come, the Almighty Proverbs 18.10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower that the righteous can run into and is safe. Isaiah 9 and 6 says, for unto us a child is born and a son is given. The government shall be on his his shoulders and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Philippians 2.9, wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things of earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We serve a great God. That name is great. It's greatly to be praised. It has all power. It has all authority. It has all dominion. You've got to understand what the name of Jesus means. See, David knew the name of Jesus. You know that David, he was 12, 13, 14 years old. He understood what was in that name. It was the name that he could take with him as he was just delivering food. And he could hear a giant on the other end of the field. Where all the armies of Israel were hiding and they were bound by fear and they were alone and broken. And this little boy would look up and he would say, why is no one there? Why is no one willing to fight? Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause to fight for? And he would step out with no experience. He would step out with no sword. He would step out with no armor. And he would say, thou comest to me with sword and with spear and with shield. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. That's a name that's above every name. That's a name that holds all power. That name can heal. Can anybody testify? That name can heal. That name can deliver. That name made a way out of no way for me. That name was peace when there should not have been peace. That name restored my family. That name set me free. Come on, we serve a name that's above all other names. And he loved us so much. He cared for you so much. He said, I'm not just going to hold this name to myself, but I'm going to give it to my people. my people who are called by my name, they would take on my name and they would humble themselves and pray. Why do you think he had to say that? Why do you think he had to speak those words if they would humble themselves? Here's my thought, that in Solomon's day, there was a people who had a problem with pride. There was a people that had a problem with humility. They looked to their own strength and they looked to their own abilities and what they could do. Who they were said, I can handle these battles on my own. I I can fight these things by myself. I I don't need anybody else. I can handle this on my own. Can I submit to you that I think here in 2023 that we also have a problem with pride and we have a problem with humility? Nathan, I'll talk to you. pastor does this, so it must be anointed. I believe today we've got a problem. We have a problem with our pride where we can't lay ourselves down at an altar. I can handle everything that's going on on my own. I I can deal with these problems. I don't need help from anybody else. I I don't need godly counsel. I, I don't need the help of a friend, and I certainly don't need to go to God because I can fix this on my own. Sometimes I'm that kind of person. I feel like I can handle things by myself. I I don't need anybody's help. I've got enough knowledge, and I, I can fumble my way through, and I can figure this out by myself. It's never more evident than a couple years ago. It was IYC. We had, during COVID, we had Illinois Youth Convention out of the campground. Because it was close, we had all of these people who were staying at our house. All these boys were staying there. And Andre and I were running around back and forth, and I'm tired. Going through all these days, these kids are exhausting. Just wanted to sleep. And it's about one in the morning, and I get a call from Braden. He says, Hey, I've got these guys at your house. One of them locked himself in the bathroom, and he can't get out. Now, the smart Alec in me, Says, Why, what's so hard about getting out of a bathroom? Twist the handle, open it up. I've never had a problem. So he said, I, we'll, we'll try to fix it. You know, just come when you can. And we were doing other things. And about an hour and a half later, he calls and said, ah, he's still in here. <laughs> it's been a while. We've tried everything. I, I don't really know what to do. So I make my way home. At this point, like I said, it's been an hour and a half, maybe, maybe close to two hours. This boy has just been sitting in the bathroom this whole time. And so doing what every man would do, I decided it was a good idea for me to bust this door down. Hmm. It was like straight out of a movie. We caught it in slow motion, took a video. I, I mean, I kicked it. It was good. There was shrapnel everywhere. I never felt like more of a man. I did not think that Andrea probably did not want a broken door downstairs. That never crossed my mind. I I didn't think about the repercussions that someone was probably going to have to fix this. And so I won't tell you how long. It doesn't matter. But a time later, I decided I needed to fix this door. Went through, and I started doing all this stuff. And, man, you would not believe the amount of mistakes. Putting a door up is hard. Man, I had to build all this, and I'm cheap, so I was trying to use the broken pieces and like glue them back in place. I went through all this, and my wife had the audacity, Near I say the gall, to look me in my face and say, honey, should you call your dad for help? Patrick, that manliness that I felt, Now it was at an all-time low. No, I don't need help from my dad. I am a man. I know what I'm doing. I know I've never built a door. I've never built a thing in my life, but I I can look up YouTube. And I know how to do this. And so I proceeded to go through the process of putting this door back up. I made mistake after mistake. Spent way more money than I should have because I kept breaking things. I bought the wrong door so I had to go take it back. And I got the right door, but the hinges were on wrong, so I had to fix all of this stuff. I finally, after way too much time, got it to a point where it was serviceable. We can now open our bathroom door. We can shut it. The lock even works. But that's about as far as it goes. There's still trim that's off. Things might not be straight. Unfortunately, Pastor... He passed down that lazy eye, and so things kind of look off kilter a little bit. You know, you feel bad for him. Why does no one feel bad for me? All the while, I thought, I can do this by myself. I don't need anyone's help. I don't want anyone's help. I'm going to say that I did it. My dad could have come in in a day. He's built built door frames. He's built this church. Don't look how straight it is. He knows what he's doing. He could have had it done in a day, bought the right material, had everything set up. But instead, I tried to do it on my own. And because of that, can I tell you that there's still broken pieces? Things aren't put on the right way. Don't judge me. Things still look a little bit off. It, it works. It, it's serviceable for now, but it's not what it was intended to be. It, it's not where it was intended to be because I decided I could do it all by myself. Can I tell you that we are a lot like that in our spiritual life? We look at the, the circumstances around us. We say, you know what, it might be easier to ask for help, but I, I think I can handle this on my own. I know my family has fallen apart. I know everything looks shattered, but I I think I can handle it. I don't need to ask for help. I I know that my job situation, it feels like everything is off kilter, Brother Aaron, but I I don't need to go to God. I I can do this on my own. Maybe if I, I just up my personality and I talk to the right people, everything will fall in line. And we try over and over to do things on our own. But most of the time, if we're honest, it turns out worse than it was. We break things a little more, and it looks messy, and it looks, it looks shattered. And then at the end, when there's no other option, we turn to God and say, why can't you fix this mess? It's God's desire. It's His will. He's a good Father. He wants to help. He wants to be there for you. He wants to fix what's going on. That's His desire for your life but we can't humble ourselves enough to get on our knees before a God that has the answers. We can't lower ourselves into subjection under the God that can change everything. If you'll just quit looking around, if you quit looking at your landscape and you quit looking at everything that seems to be falling apart, you stop looking to other people Stop looking to your mistakes and your failures and looking at all the storms around you and you would just turn your eyes up to God. He's here. He's listening. He's waiting to hear your voice. He's calling out today, if you'll just humble yourself, if you'll just seek my face, and he's got promise in his word, He says, then, after you've done your part, after you've lowered yourself, after you've admitted that you can't do this by yourself, you can't do it alone, you can't move on alone, he says, then will I hear them from heaven. I'll forgive their sin and I'll heal their land. If you're anything like me, there's times where you feel like your prayers are going nowhere. Has anyone ever been there? feel like everything is just shattered around you and you finally get to the point where you go to God and it feels like there's nothing there he doesn't hear he doesn't care it's not my time it's not the way that I want and we get frustrated with God and the next time a problem comes up we say well it didn't work before he didn't listen before but how often do we wait for his answer Say, God, I I need you to move in this situation. And we give him a solid 10 minutes to do do something. If he doesn't do it, well, I'm going to start moving this way. I'm going to do it on my own. His promise in his word is that he will hear you from heaven. Your prayers are not in vain. The cry that you have, the tears that you shed, God hears and sees every one of them. He hears your voice. He loves your voice, and it's his desire to change your circumstance. God hears you from heaven. He promises that he'll forgive your sin. Repentance is so easy. We complicate this too much. Or God just calls us to come in and say, I can't do this alone. I've messed up. I've made mistakes. I've, I've made a mess out of everything that I have. God, I want to walk your way. I want to do things the way that you want. And he promises he'll forgive, and then he promises he'll heal your land. I don't know what your landscape looks like today. I, I, I don't know what you walked in with. I don't know the situations that you're going through. I don't know the pains that you have, the scars. I don't know the broken doors that are sitting in your basement. But can I tell you there's a God that does? that he knows exactly what you walked in with, he knows exactly what you're facing, and it's his desire to heal your land. It may look like everything is flat, and you're in a calm season of your life, or it may look like Peter, where the storm is raging all around. I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. It feels like I'm going to get overtaken by everything that's going on if you just turn your eyes. If you turn your eyes to the one that can change everything, he can heal. How do you get a healthy landscape? How do you do things God's way? You take the power that's in the name of Jesus, the name that's above every name. You humble yourself before him and his promise is that he will heal and he'll hear. You stand with me all across the room was threatened by Brother Nathan. If I was over 25 minutes, he was leaving. Thought you were leaving. <laughs> We've had this theme all throughout today: The name of Jesus. The Name of Jesus is a strong tower. The name of Jesus is great. The name of Jesus can heal. It can deliver. It can restore. And you have the opportunity, many of you have already done it, where you can take on that name for yourself. When you repent and when you're baptized in the name of Jesus, when you're filled with the Holy Ghost, God gives you a new name. Maybe you're here today and you've already done those steps. You need to understand the name that you have. If you're not there yet, then you can repent at an altar. We've got water. I've heard it's warm. We've got clothes. We can baptize you in the name of Jesus today. And the promise is that you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. If you want to walk out of here a different person, if you want to walk out of here with a new name, you have the opportunity today. If you just need to understand that God is here and He hears you. If that's all that you got out of this, then walk out knowing that you have a God that cares, that you have a God that loves, that you have a God that hears. And if you're broken in this place, our God can heal. If you're in the storm of your life, my God can change it. I've seen it for myself. I've watched him do it for myself. You can't tell me that he can't. You can't tell me he doesn't have the power. I've seen him do it, and there's many in this room who have seen it for themselves. He can do it for you. He can change your landscape. If you would, you'd step out of, your, out of your pew. You'd come up to an altar. I don't know where you're at, but God wants to have a relationship with you today. God wants to hear from you today, and I believe God wants to heal. Would you come? Would you pray? Would you humble yourself before God? Lord, we give it to you, Jesus. We give you glory.